morning and welcome to Shouts of Grace. This morning we are continuing our study in the book of Philippians. And I'm excited to get into this here in the book of Philippians chapter 2. This is one of my, my, my favorite insights in the book of Philippians that we're going to be looking at. And it is really an important example that we can get from the Apostle Paul, one that applies to every one of our lives. And it's probably one that you've never seen before, uh, not because it's some secret hidden thing, but because it is one of those that you have to tie back to the law of God. And the law of God is often just ignored. People don't look at the law of God nearly as much as we should. And that's why our nation and is in such ruins and why so many people's lives are in ruins today. But the Apostle Paul goes and he refers back to the law of God to make an example as to how we ought to be living our life. But let's get into reading here this morning, Philippians chapter 2. It says this, Therefore, if there's any consolation in Christ, if there's any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if there's any affection and mercy, fulfill my joy by being like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than himself. Let each of you look out not only for his own interests, but also for the interest of others." Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men. And being found in the appearance of a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. Therefore God has highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of those in heaven and those on earth and those under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you both to will and to do for his good pleasure." Do all things without complaining and disputing, that you may become blameless, harmless children of God without fault in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation, among whom you shine as lights in the world, holding fast the word of life, so that I may rejoice in the day of Christ, that I have not run in vain nor labored in vain, yes, and if I'm being poured out as a drink offering on the sacrifice and service of your faith, I am glad and rejoice with you all. For the same reason, you also be glad and rejoice with me. But I trust in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you shortly, that I also may be encouraged when I know of your state. For I have no one who is like-minded who will sincerely care for your state. For all seek their own, not the things which are of Christ Jesus, but you know his proven character, that uh, as a son with his father he served with me in the gospel. Therefore I hope to send him to you at once, as soon as I now see how it goes with me. But I trust in the Lord that I myself shall also come shortly. Yet I considered it necessary to send to you Epaphroditus, my brother, fellow worker, and fellow soldier. But your messenger and the one who ministered to my need, since he was longing for you all and was distressed because you had heard that he was sick. For indeed, he was sick almost unto death, but God had mercy on him and not on him only, but on me also, lest I should have sorrow upon sorrow. Therefore, 
I sent him the more eagerly that when you see him again, you may rejoice and that I may be less sorrowful. Receive him therefore in the Lord with all gladness and hold such men in esteem because for the work of Christ Jesus, he came close to death, not regarding his own life to supply what was lacking in your service toward me. Now, this morning, what we're going to be looking at here is specifically verses 16 through 18, and it says this, holding fast the word of life so that I may rejoice in the day of Christ, that I have not run in vain or labored in vain. Yes, and if I am being poured out as a drink offering on the sacrifice and service of your faith, I am glad and rejoice with you all for the same reason you also be glad and rejoice with me. Now, what I want us to notice here, first of all, is the Apostle Paul is going and encouraging the church in Philippi to hold fast to the word of life. He's saying, hold fast to the word of life. And this is important to understand what we're going to be seeing in verse 17. But but he goes and he says, hold fast to the word of life that I may rejoice in the day of Christ, that I have not run in vain or labored in vain. You see, ministry success, ultimately, what the Apostle Paul is saying is that it is fidelity to the Bible. It is this idea of faithfulness, of holding fast to the Word of God. He doesn't go and count success. He doesn't go and say, look, I want to make sure I haven't run in vain or labored in vain. Let's make sure here that you're building a mega church and everybody's happy with you. He goes and he says, look, I want you to hold fast to the Word of God. Faithfulness to the Word of God is the ultimate success in ministry. That is the idea of going and looking out that those whom you've invested in are holding fast to the Word of God. So parents, when you go and you look at success when it comes to to, to parenting, what is it that you should be looking for? It's that you should be looking for that your children are holding fast to the Word of God. So many people want to go and say that, hey, my child gained this position. My child gained that position. My child got this much money. My child bought this house. My child had this much popularity in school. My child was this great sports figure in school or something like that. They earned a Division One scholarship to go play football or something like that. And they say, look, that's success because I was out there throwing catch with them, play, playing catch with them every single day. But that's not success for the Christian. For the Christian, it is faithfulness to the Word of God that they're holding fast to the Word of God. Otherwise, you have ran in vain. You've labored in vain. You've invested in your child in vain. Now, the same is true, of course, with your spiritual children, those whom God has given you to invest in. And of course, we're all to go and to make disciples. That's something that that we should probably go and look at, have a series on discipleship and making disciples and looking at that. That's that's a very important subject, and perhaps we'll go and look at that coming up. I'm not sure how soon that'll get on the schedule, but I'll start working on a schedule to put that out there. I've got a, 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 there's a lot in the Word of God about discipleship. But we see here that the ultimate sign of success is that those whom you are discipling, those whom you are training, those whom you are over, that they are holding fast to the Word of God. Because if they're not doing that, then you've run in vain, you've labored in vain, and it doesn't matter anything else. doesn't matter what position, what other areas of success, doesn't matter financially where they're at. Ultimately, if they're not holding fast to the Word of God, it wasn't successful. But then the Apostle Paul says this, and this is what I want to focus our time on specifically here this morning, is in verse 17. He says, Yes, and if I am being poured out as a drink offering 
on the sacrifice and service of your faith. I am glad and rejoice with you all. Now, it's important that we understand this. This is all predicated on holding fast to the Word of God. That's, that was the, 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 the principle, the premise that the Apostle Paul lays forth. If, if the faith that he's looking for is one that is rooted in the Word of God, that is holding fast to the Word of God, that is clinging to the Word of God, that is looking to the Word of God for answers. But then he gives us an example, and this example is that of a drink offering. And this is the picture that the Apostle Paul is making. Remember, I said at the beginning of this, uh, of this devotional that the Apostle Paul was pointing back to the law of God. And in the law of God, there, there is this offering called the drink offering, and it was a, a joy offering. It was a rejoicing offering. And what it would be is that you have a burnt offering that's going on. So you have the sacrifice that's there. You have the altar and you have the flames that are coming up. And then, of course, they go and they take a, a cup of juice or a cup of wine and they pour it out over that burnt offering. And the flames come up and they lick up that, that burnt offering or excuse me, that drink offering that's being poured out, and it goes and it releases a sweet-smelling aroma to all who are around. They can go and they can smell that, and it's just this wonderful thing, and it's this, this joy offering that, that's happening there as this drink gets consumed by the fire, and it releases this, this wonderful smell uh, in, in this, this offering. And this is the picture that the Apostle Paul is making and referring to when he goes and he says, yes, and I'm being poured out as a drink offering on the sacrifice and service of your faith. And I'm glad and rejoice with you all. See, the sacrifice and service of your faith, that's predicated on, of course, holding fast to the Word of God. But then we, we look at this, that we should be like the Apostle Paul. This is an example that he's giving, that we should be like a drink offering. And there's, there's a few main things that we can see about the drink offering. The first one is that he was poured out. You know, do you pour your life out into others? That's a question that's a convicting question for Christians, but one that we need to ask ourselves, am I pouring my life out for other Christians, or am I going and hoarding my life, hoarding what God has given me, hoarding the time and the investment of, of resources, both, both physical resources, but also just spiritual resources and in the, the emotional resources and all of those resources that we've given that we would invest into a person? Am I hoarding those for myself? You know, many people, the problem is, is that many of you have a, a, a greater investment in your television set than you do in the people that God has placed in your life. And I can tell you this right now, God didn't place a television set in your living room. You did, but God placed people in your life, which is actually your living room, that you need to go and you need to invest in. You need to pour yourself out into these people. That's what you need to do. This is the example that the Apostle Paul is giving. I've poured my life out into your life in the Church of Philippi, is that he's going and saying. Now, of course, he's the one who planted the church. He's the one who led Lydia to the Lord. He's the one who led the Philippian jailer to the Lord. He's the one who led the, the, the lady with the uh, spirit of divination. He cast the, the demon out of her, and it's assumed then that he led her to the Lord because the demon didn't come back because she wasn't telling fortunes anymore. And so that was the foundation for that church. 
And he went and he invested in that family of the Philippian jailer. He invested in Lydia. He invested in that lady who uh, had the demon cast out of her and perhaps in other people like Epaphroditus, who we're going to be looking at here in the coming days. But we, we see these things that he goes and he pours himself out into these people. That's what his focus was on. That was what he went and he, he strived to do. Are you pouring yourself out? The second thing that we see about this drink offering is that the drink offering in the picture, it's consumed by the fire. Now, he goes and he says, the sacrifice and service of your faith. He's going and saying, look, your faith is the burnt offering. It's the sacrifice. So what does that make the fire? That means that it is Jesus is the fire that's there. He's the altar and the fire that that we're resting upon in this picture. And it is that fire that comes up and it consumes the drink offering. So when you're pouring yourself out, it's not that people would go and see, wow, the Apostle Paul is awesome. It's that people would go and say, wow, Jesus Christ is awesome because Paul was so consumed by Christ that that's what they saw. That's what they saw when he went and he pours out his life. It's not that he's building his brand. It's not that he's making it about himself. It's that he's saying, look at Jesus. Look at who Jesus is. Is your life consumed with Jesus Christ? That when people look at your life, when you pour yourself out into something, that people see you or do they see Jesus? The answer should be Jesus. You should be living your life that is poured out for others and that is consumed by Jesus Christ. Wow, what an example the Apostle Paul is giving us here. And the third thing that I want us to see about this drink offering is that the result of it, when you are being poured out and when you are consumed by Christ, what happens is that it leaves a sweet-smelling aroma for all around to smell, and of course, most importantly, for God to smell. He's well pleased with it. But what does the Apostle Paul say at the end of this verse, and then also in verse 18? He says, I'm glad and rejoice with you all. For the same reason, you also be glad and rejoice with me. When we see someone who pours out their life for Christ, for others, and is consumed by Christ, do you know what the proper response is? The proper response is to rejoice to rejoice and to be glad in it and say, wow, I'm glad that they chose to live their life that way. I'm glad that they chose to live their life that way. You know, and this is something that we should do in general when we go around and we look around and we see that, but it's also something that we should do specifically. I'm going to talk to parents for just a moment here. If you're a parent and you see your child is going and living their life for Christ, I know you're going to say, well, yeah, of course, Sunday school answer is, is yes, I'm, I am glad that they're living their life for Christ. But the reality of it is, is that many parents are not happy that their children are living their life for Christ. I'm thankful my parents are. I'm thankful my parents are, and they've always encouraged me and my sister in that way to go and to live their life, our lives for Christ. But, you know, many parents are not. They would go and say, look, I'd rather my child go into uh, a, a venue uh, that, that they could maybe have more financial success. I'm not just talking about uh, vocational ministry. You can be poured out for Christ, and you should be poured out for Christ and whatever Christ calls you to go in, in, and to do. But many people would go and say, say look, I, I wish that, that you wouldn't spend so much time and make such a commitment to church because, look, it'd be easier to, to go and to see everybody on, on Sunday and to— 
to go into compromise that and to make that about family time or man, you know, I wish that you wouldn't always be bringing up uh, these the, these issues that are found in the Bible. Yeah, I agree with them, but man, it makes it awkward when you go and you bring that up and you say, I'm not going to compromise on that issue. You know, I've seen a lot of parents have that kind of a response to their children when they go and they start to be sold out for Christ. But parents, listen to me. Go and set the expectation that your child should be a drink offering. How do you set that expectation? Well, it's by being a drink offering yourself. You pour yourself into your child, and you go and you be consumed by Christ. And you go and you tell your child, look, I want you to be poured out onto others, and I want you to be consumed by Jesus Christ. Well, thank you for listening today. And remember Joshua 1, 8, 9 as we depart. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night, that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it, for then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Have I not commanded you, be strong and of good courage. Do not be afraid nor be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. So that